Hey, Crit Nation, are you looking for a deeply political, culturally diverse, fragmented, dystopian 5th edition world? If so, then you need to visit Tanaris, a scarred world of complex geography, now live on Kickstarter. Welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. <laughs> I am your host, Justin. I'm your co-host, Ian. I'm your co-host, Brandon. Did you forget your name? I, no. You guys skipped Evan. Way to go, assholes. It's red. I can't yeah. see Devin. <laughs> Welcome, Devin. <laughs> Becoming a paid dungeon master is a bit of a dream for many Dungeons & Dragons players. While others think that is just ridiculous, today we'll be discussing how to become a professional or paid dungeon master with Devin Chulik of StartPlaying.Games. I'm super excited. Thank you so much for coming on, Devin. Thank you for having me. This is a treasure. <laughs> That's, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say, hey, this is a treasure to be on your show. That's exciting. <laughs> So, Thanks, um, here at Crit Academy, we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring with you on your next adventure. So how about we get into becoming a professional dungeon master? Today, as you've mentioned, we are joined by Devin. Thanks again so much for joining us. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do in the world of uh, tabletop RPGs? Yeah, so uh, my name is Devin Schulich. I'm the uh, uh, COO of StartPlay.Games. I'm one of the founders of it. Um, StartPlaying.Games is a place to find groups, games, and game masters, um, the three Gs of, uh, of tabletop RPGs. Um, I started it with uh, uh, my co-founder because he was a player always looking for a GM, and I was a GM trying to find ways to help other professional GMs, and we kind of met in the middle and came together. Um, and I also, for the past you know uh, four years, have been making content uh, for D&D uh, under the uh, channel Total Party Chill, which a lot of people know me from. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Um, and that's kind of what brought, made it very easy to kind of transition all the people we've met and all this, you know, what we built very easily into building StartPlaying.Games. Wow, that is so cool. And I guess kind of on that topic, what is StartPlaying? Um, so yeah, StartPlaying uh, is the place to find games, groups, and game masters. Um, a lot of people want to get into the hobby. Uh, a lot of people just want to find their game, and it is really accessible to play games now. Um, before, in the 80s and the 90s, you all play D&D, you had to know someone and go to their house and play it. Um, oh, but now with, you know, things like Adventures League and, uh, you know, uh, online looking for games, all this, it makes it a lot easier for people to go out there, find the game, and get into it. That's one of the reasons why it's become so popular again is because we've yeah. lowered the friction and the threshold. Absolutely. It's still a problem, though. Like, people are looking through forums, uh, Reddit, Discord servers, just trying to find a game, and there's all these professional dungeon masters out there, but there's no kind of, like, central hub for them. And there's mm -hmm. no kind of, like, social proof reviews and things like that. So we built this site that connects uh, players with professional game masters um, to, like, have their campaigns or their one-shots. So um, we wanted to make sure that, like, game night is never canceled. Nice. That's good. I bet it's it's been really bad because uh, of 2020, 2021. Yeah. And getting games going and being like, oh, no, we got to use Discord. Oh, my internet's not working. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's, this is really cool because um, 
despite what people say, and there, we know that there's a lot of the, a negative connotation, and we'll talk about that a little bit more, but there is no denying that there are far more players than there are dungeon masters, and that is almost, even with the expanse of the internet, it still seems to be true. Um, why do you think that is? Why, why more, well, it's, it's, uh, it's um, onboarding. Um, the, the concept of like, well, you know, you, have you ever played a board game and you look at the rules and you're like, do I actually really want to play this? <laughs> That's the thing. So like a good game master reduces onboarding for their players. Um, instead of saying like, you're going to learn how to create a character, here's the book, read it, get back to me. They say, hey, here's a pre-made. You're going to run with this. Don't worry about it. Once we start playing, it'll make sense. Um, that's you removing friction. That's you removing the onboarding process. Um, you know, once someone plays a game and they play with a character, they're like, oh, I get how this sheet works. I feel more confident to make a character now because I've played it. Sure. Um, Absolutely. And not, not, there's just not enough people that want to like, invest the time to learn the, uh, the systems and the onboarding techniques as a dungeon master and then run it. Um, and the more people that play, you do get a few GMs out of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's say for every 100 that play and love it, 10 become GMs. Um, and the rest just want to continue to play. But if we can get more people playing, we get more Dungeon Masters. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, mm-hmm. uh, leaning into that, how does or does start playing um, take steps to help introduce players that have never played before that want to get into it, um, either from a GM's perspective or a player perspective? Yeah. Well, so um, we don't do a lot that kind of levels up GMs um, uh, if, you've, if you've never GM before. Um, it's definitely like I've been GMing for a while and I'm a pro and I kind of want to take this to the next level and get paid for it. But when it comes to players, the hardest thing for a player is finding a game that works for the time that you can play. Mm-hmm. Um, so just we look through all these games like, hey, I want to play a game on uh, Foundry on Tuesdays um, uh, and I wanted a campaign. Our site makes it really easy to just find games on Tuesday, playing on Foundry, etc. Right. Um, that's the first step, you know. And, and if you can just find a game that's open, you know, like, oh, there's three seats available in this one, two seats available in this one. Joining that game, that's really the first thing. And, and it's a lot harder when you're just, like, looking at forums, like, hey, I'm looking to start a game. I'll play whatever. People are like, well, what about Tuesdays? Well, actually, I can't do Tuesdays. Okay, well, Wednesdays, <laughs> I can't do And you're like, it's just this back and forth, and you never actually get to play. And so... Um, we, we've designed it to take a lot of that out and make it really easy for the player just to book a game and start playing. So you see, can re- that's what that's why we named it that. <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. <laughs> I can definitely appreciate that, just because, like, I actually run a game for my brother and his uh, fellow law school students. And when the new semester started, every schedules changed. So those at proverbial, all right, what day works for you guys? <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't do many of wizards. I got classes on what we uh, played before. Yeah, so, and that's that's pretty common with most people, oh, I yeah. think. And it sounds like you've done a lot to kind of make that easier. Um, yeah. So, the the GM basically sets the times and you scroll through a list of options, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, the GM's essentially like, hey, I'm going to run this adventure. I'm going to run it on these dates. Um, and at this time and players just look and they see all these games that are available in how many, when we first started the platform, we were like, Hey, here's pro GMs. You just bring your group of friends and hire a GM. Then we realized that's not how people book. People are like, Hey, I'm by myself. I just want a game. I want to meet an, I want to meet another group of people. 
So we're like, oh, okay, we're going to make it so you can just buy a seat in a game. And you end up meeting all these other people. You create this kind of micro community with them. And it's really, really powerful. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that that comes with a lot of benefits because not only does it allow you to uh, meet new people, but you get to meet new people that have a generally a similar schedule to you. And I know Ian can attest to this since he's mm-hmm. usually a third shifter. That's something that's a blessing to players that don't get that, that don't generally have that option just because of their work and or school or whatever uh, schedule they got going on. Yeah, that's why you have these GMs that are like, hey, listen, I live in the UK. Um, I'm running these games. That's perfect for, you know, like a, th- a third shift schedule. Yeah. Right, right. Okay, so uh, going on to what is probably the most negative thing that comes out of being a professional dungeon master. Um, yeah. The, the, ne- the negative connotation of getting paid to be a DM. Uh, why do you think that is, and how do we overcome it? Um, we already did. Um, okay. The, pe- <laughs> the, 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 people that, the people that don't like it, are a very small vocal minority. Yep. Okay. And that's fine. Um, you know, like, it, it's it's one of those things like, why are you yelling so loud? Um, you know, because it doesn't affect you. Um, but, you know, you, you want to you know something cool? By the end of October, our GMs collectively would have made a million dollars on our platform. Nice. Uh, when did you guys... we launched in September 2020. All right, September. so it looks like I'm going to have to start uh, doing less Crit Academy episodes. We're going to be going... <laughs> um, and I actually find... The criticism against like uh, paid games to make no sense because really when you think about it, more and more st- stores when they do Adventure League, they're charging, and if you're going to a convention, you're probably paying and, for that game anyway. Yep. So it's kind of one yeah. of those things where when and, you think about it, it makes no sense. And what what's funny about that, if you put that in the context of any other service, people pay for services. That's it's a service that yeah. somebody is offering. If you don't want it. Run your own game. You don't have to be involved in it. But there are some people. I've been in this boat where I wanted to be a player and just couldn't, and would single-handedly be happy to toss down some money just so that I could play a game for three hours. To me, in my mind at least, it's no different than spending that money to go see a movie, to go hang out in yeah. an arcade. I'm looking for entertainment, right. and as a DM, uh, I'm general as a. I would not. I would argue forever GM, which I love doing. Don't get me wrong, but that makes it harder for me. To be able to just sit down and get into a game. Though I can't not say that now because now bi-weekly I am on the Initiative and Intrigue show. You should come and watch it. We are awesome and it's all a bunch of great D&D content creators playing D&D. It's freaking amazing. Wow, did you, uh... Thanks Alex Baum for being the DM. Okay, just, I did plug that right in there. Sprain, but... sprain your elbow while you're patting yourself on the back there? <laughs> no, man, everyone's great. But anyway, so so there are just like movies in, in restaurants and in, in pretty much any service, we have the ability to go and gauge what other people think of said service what do you guys do to kind of um reinforce that hey this person is great people love them how how do you do you have a rating system or or something built in for that yeah yeah we have a rating system uh if you like your gm you could recommend them and you could write a little bit about like why you recommend them um, and then GMs, you know, uh, one review per one GM per person. So, you know, if you like this, you could review all 10 GMs you've played with uh-huh. um, and just explain, like, why you like them. Um, the thing is, like, we're a tech first team. So we uh, we build something new every week. We continue to add features because we, we're not done. This is like version one of the site. Um, eventually we're going to have the ability to review the GM on like all these different sectors. Like, oh, I really like this GM for their voices. And I really like this GM for their virtual tabletop maps. And I really like this. 
And so then we can start really highlighting like, oh, you as a player, it seems that you like games specifically with funny voices, rule of cool. Great. These GMs have all been very well reviewed for this. We want to pair you with them. Um, and then other, like, I love crunchy combat. I love, like, dynamic mm -hmm. lighting. I love that. We want to be able to pair them with that GM as well. That is, mm. in my opinion, a huge feature because there are players who love a very specific type of gameplay. And sometimes, not always, they end up in a group with players that are different. Me, I'm more roleplay heavy and I don't care so much for the, the tabletop um, number crunching. But one of my players, Ian, loves mm -hmm. that stuff. Oh, yeah. So even yeah. though that's not my jams, I have to make sure that I include that in my game because I want him to feel like he's included. But that's not going to be the same as him going and joining a game where every game is like that. That's catered to what yeah. he wants. There's there's something nice that's about that. I don't know if Brandon has any thoughts on that because he has a different play style than on both of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't even think you write any notes when you play. No, uh, no. My notes usually consist of four words, and that's don't <laughs> kill the players. <laughs> <laughs> but the so being able to target and uh, deliver to the players the types of game masters that they want is a huge, huge boon to uh, players paying for a game because now they yeah. know I'm this. Everyone says he run this person runs the games just like this. And this is what I love. I'm excited, and you're you're going to get what you want, which is fantastic. It's a, yeah, it's a good filter to him. Yeah. So uh, since this is something that runs through the, 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 the internet, you know, for building a community, what is the expected type of technology somebody that wants to participate in a game on uh, uh, through that's going through startplaying.games? Yeah. I mean, uh, we have a lot of people that are like, hey, we'll just do Discord voice. Yes. Uh, we have a lot of people like, hey, we're going to do it on Zoom or Google Meets or Roll20, you know, Foundry. Um, the thing is, like, there's so many GMs out there with so many kind of like, this is how I want to run my games and finding players that uh, want to run games that same way or play games that same way. And I think that's the big thing is like, we, we don't want to be tied down to any virtual tabletop or any voice and video platform. We want our, our GMs to be able to use, to use whatever they want. Yeah. And that really is fantastic because um for uh for instance uh me i really enjoy a virtual tabletop game but i don't want that to be every single session um because yeah. I, and this is just justin i lose immersion with a virtual tabletop in the fact that i'm only i end up limiting my vision to what i can see on the grid as opposed to when yeah. i play theater of the mind over a discord or something where okay we're in a forest is there a tree um, out of line of sight that I can run up and climb up and take a archery Hawkeye yeah. style point, you know. Whereas for me, is the, the exact Except opposite. The, yeah, and, that, and that's why the, having a, a review system that caters to that and, yeah. and, and opportunities <laughs> that cater to that is fantastic. Let me find yeah. this between both of those. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, there, um, there's my, enough my stuff. Always know when we're playing Fear of the Mind, they're going to get away with a lot more because I'm not worried about movement and if yes. they're like, oh yes. Oh, I get to make up some shit now. Yes. <laughs> Always pushing pushing the limit, huh? I yeah, love it. Yeah. Um, so that's really cool that that's kind of uh, an option that's considered in the uh, in the, the 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 hardware aspect of it. That means if all you have is a phone, you can find a game with a Discord group and play. You don't need to yeah. necessarily have a total virtual tabletop system yep. to to participate in these games, which I think is great. All right. Everybody's wondering with this service, what is the cost? 
I mean, it's very much like Airbnb. Like, uh, you know, the GM set their rates, you know? Um, we're, we're, we, are, we, are, we are the Airbnb for Dungeons & Dragons, right? Nice. Um, but our, our GM set their own rate. So they decide how much to take. We take a 10% cut, um, you know, so pretty nominal. Um, less than, like, you know, many of the other big platforms like Fiverr, etc. Um, so we take 10%, but our GMs can list their games for $5. Uh, we have many that listen for free. We have, you know, I think kind of the average cost, though, you're going to see is anywhere between 10 and $20 um, is kind of like the average rate that we see games going for. Wow. That's uh, that's very reasonable. Yeah. And, and, and that's, no, that's no more than, you know, uh, a Starbucks coffee, <laughs> which is freaking yeah. expensive as hell, by the way, um, or a movie. You know? Yeah. And you're getting, what, a whole night of entertainment, at least. I think one yeah. of the things I like uh, the most about that specific uh, part of the site, you see how much they're charging for whatever. It shows you how many seats they have, how many are filled. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tells you how long they've been DMing as a player. Um, what, what else? Uh, they got a bunch of stuff up on there. Yeah, like how many games they've run on our platform. Yeah, that's one. How long they've been um, doing it. You know. That's a good yeah. one, too. Um and, and the more information that's provided, the more satisfied the player is going to be. Now, yeah. um, we play Dungeons & Dragons, but we also play other games. How suited is this uh, platform for other games outside of the traditional role-playing game? Or D&D yeah, specifically? Yeah, I mean, just like, just like platform, you know, virtual tabletop, we're agnostic to the different, uh, you know, um, versions. We let our GMs run whatever they want. Same thing with games. Um, you know, there there is maybe... Uh, 18% of the games listed are not D&D, um, and that number is going to continue to grow. We see yes. people running uh, weekly games of Alien. Oh. We see a lot of Monster of the Week games, Pathfinder. Uh, so the idea is, like, we want people playing games. Um, you know, we're not really uh, too worried about what game they're playing. You know, is... as, long as, as long as we're creating, like, little groups of people that are having fun and, and they're, they're, you know, creating communities to play, we're happy. So when there's a, uh, since you, you, um, you just said that you don't care which games they play, if somebody runs a game that's for adults, is there like a warning or something? So a, a you know, a young kid doesn't end up signing up for something like that. Is there any sort yeah, of, yeah, there's like a, there's like a, you know, like, Hey, the, you know, this is an 18 plus game okay. or this is like, this game is for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you know, every GM kind of has their own like take as well. There's you know, a lot of GMs will also do like. Hey, uh, I'd like to interview you first before the game to make sure like you are who you say you are, or you right. know, you know, join my Discord, that kind of thing. So you know, the GM, GMs are very, very intelligent people, um, yeah. and they all have kind of like their own uh, unique approach to it. And we don't want to like, um, we try to give them as many tools as possible so they can like run games the way that they plan to. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I and so um, so you basically have this wonderful platform that stretches across multiple games. Which honestly is really exciting for me because there's some games that I don't get to play because nobody I know plays them except for this guy who's on uh, really weird ass shifts all the time. But yeah. <laughs> um, that opens it up to more, allowing me to experiment too with games. I'm, maybe I'm considered checking this game out. I can drop ten bucks and go sit at a table and learn if this is something that I want to invest in. Especially when investing yeah. in a, a, a game these days. Uh, a tabletop can really end up racking in the dollars when you want to get get start you know get going. So um, being able to dip my you know foot into the end of the pool is actually pretty great. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it's it's cool you know because especially like I like to run a, a bunch of different games, but I like to play them before I run them. And so me as a GM, I will go on there and just find a GM who knows how to play that game. Like, hey, can I hire you to like run a three hour session? I just want to learn how this goes. I'm going to bring some friends. 
And then I learned a new system. Yep. And I've definitely jumped into some games blind before, and sometimes it works out, and sometimes not so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what? That that's and that's something I like. I, I used I, I used to play a lot at like the different uh, uh, stores, right? I try to go around and find a store, and I don't know if I'm just a douchey player or, <laughs> or well, okay, yeah, I'm definitely a douchey player and DM and person in general. But what I find is that I struggle to find somebody that fits that really fits my 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 theme. And when you're going to nearby stores, that's a very limited option. You can go to three yeah. stores and find one dungeon master. And if it's not one you like, you might end up sticking around and having less fun than if I'm like, oh, I didn't like this one. Okay, I'm going to try this one. Nope, don't like him. I'm gonna yeah. try and eventually I'll get to where I'm comfortable and there's somebody I really like. Actually, there's one yeah. guy I know who on Facebook just asked to uh, DMs when they build their games have an option of saying, welcome to new players or for veteran players only. Because he rather... Yes. Because he, he would rather they, not take time explaining basic rules or spells to new people and just wants to get stuff going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, you know, uh, you can say, is this a game open to all? Is it beginner friendly? Uh, is it for advanced players? You can kind of simulate the expectations you have as a GM for the player. Actually, I was wandering around that site and I had just seen a GM the post of the game. It was free. It said uh, role playing is low, combat was low. Then the description is specifically said, this is for new players so I can teach them. How the game is run. See, that's and that's yeah. awesome. Bring, being able to bring more uh, consumers yeah. <laughs> to the pool. <laughs> the game now, will have you. Speaking of uh, consumers and our players, um, what happens if something comes up and a player can't make it? Are they out of money? Do they lose money? Well, that depends. Um, you know, uh, we have our own cancellation policy that the site uses. Uh, GMs can override that uh, to a degree. So. Um, you know, we have a 24-hour cancellation policy. So okay. 25 hours before the game starts, like, you know, I can't make it. You can go on. You can go just and skip your game that you have coming up. Uh, but if it's 12 hours away and you say, like, hey, GM, I can't make it um, because I'm something really terrible came up. Uh, your GM can be like, oh, cool, I'll skip you. I'll just, you know, That's make sure it charges you zero. <laughs> Um, but then sometimes, you know, uh, if like you don't respond, you don't say anything, the gym's like, Hey, there's a no call, no show cancellation. Like you're you have to eat that fee because like I spent my time prepping the game for you. Uh -huh. That makes um, sense. Yeah. Which is like, you know, I mean, anywhere else that where you, you have a schedule, like, you know, there's like on average a 24 hour cancel. I mean, if I miss, if I don't show up to my therapy session, I'm still shuffling out that money to my therapist, <laughs> you know, you um, know how great yeah, so it like, would be. To have, because I don't know about any other DMs, but I have had plenty of everyone canceled. <laughs> <laughs> like yep. I did yep. all this work and you canceled. <laughs> well, too bad. Yep. I got your money now. <laughs> That's a I mean, like most most GMs are like, hey, are you, are you you know, if if someone's just like, you know, flaky. Um, but a lot of times we see people say, hey, don't worry about it. Like, just charge me. I can't make it. Like, you, right. you did all the work. Um, don't worry about skipping me. Um, so, but we also notice more people are showing up and not skipping games when they're paying for it. Yep, that makes um, sense. You know, it's easy money for me because I never prep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But as long as everyone have fun, and honestly, I even know that that's a game style where we've sat at a table and say, all right, guys, everything tonight is improv. So improv um, is fun. It That's why I love be. doing it. But it also means that... So, I'm going to give my quick thoughts on this. So, I love improv. I think it's great. It leads to a lot of great stuff. But I also, in my experience as somebody that... You, know, you bastard. <laughs> He's doing little noise faces behind me. Um, it also leads to uh, camp, potential campaigns that aren't as fully 
uh, thought out because uh, you didn't, and so they're not they're a little more disjointed. But for short one shots and stuff, I think it's perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> that's my rant and rant. <laughs> um, yep. So so far, my experience has been wonderful. Um, I think this site was something that's been needed for years, and I'm always one of those people. Man, we need an app or something like. Uh, <laughs> Tinder, like Tinder, so I can swipe <laughs> until I find a game I want. And you guys have essentially made—are you making it an app? Because that would be great. I mean, eventually, it, the thing is, like, because it's a website, you know, it's—I um, just noticed that, like, app, da- like, people are actually consuming and downloading apps. The data is showing that they're kind of thing. Um, people are like, I just, I just can go to the website. And it's now like, it's now like when like Yelp is like, Hey, do you want to open this in Yelp? I'm like, no, I don't want to open up the app. I just want to like, know the directions to this place. Fair um, enough. So, but yeah, so what, what, what we've always seen is that like app, uh, people actually using apps and downloading apps is down, is like downtrending. Um, so we're kind of like debating, oh, like, okay. do we want an app? You know, because if you make an app, then you are essentially developing a website and an app uh, simultaneously. Um, maybe after a Series A fundraise, we'll probably do that. We've, we 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 finished our seed roundup in October, um, so you know, I, I don't think I don't see that on like this year or the next year, but maybe the year after that. I, I think especially a GM only app that like lets GMs manage everything they're doing mm-hmm. would be really valuable. Oh, absolutely, um, especially on the go because. Um, I don't know about anything else, but I get an hour of break time every day. So sometimes it's nice to goof off into my phone. And if you can prep for your game and get all that stuff taken care of right from an app, mm-hmm. which you can, there are apps out there, but I yeah, yeah. I don't for various reasons. But um, it would be nice if it was tied to, if I was, a, a, you know, running a, a profile on uh, Start Playing Games that I could do that mobile. It sounds like I can do that anyway with or without an app. So I think that that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, you showed the wife that she's like, you need to get on this. <laughs> <laughs> well well i don't know she doesn't think i'm very interesting when it comes to D, so <laughs> maybe it's just you guys Wait, are biased so um <laughs> with that uh is there anything that you would like that we haven't covered that you would like to share with crit nation about becoming a, a professional or paid you know game master on, or something on specifically on start playing dot games yeah um so this person said i could share their story um <laughs> They reached out to me and they were. They said they were really thankful that they had this opportunity to start running games on our site, and they expanded saying that they are on disability, um, and so because of uh, of their their uh, situation, um, they get disability checks, and it's a little bit, but it's not a lot of money. And if they want to work, they can only make you know like a thousand a month or something, or, and then they wouldn't apply for disability. But they said there's not a lot of jobs for them because of their disability, okay. um, and they're always at home. And they said that this has empowered them to almost make uh, enough to get off of disability. Um, wow. And they are making money that they now feel, like, empowered because they're making money for themselves rather than, like, this disability check. And, like, that's great because it allows me to live. But this is, like, this is something that I did. And when we start hearing these stories about people like that or people who lost their job in the pandemic and ended up making the same amount of money running games mm-hmm. on a platform... Wow. That is so empowering and rewarding to hear. And that, that blows me away. It makes me so happy that we are, we are building something for so many people for so many different reasons. Um, it just, it really, it brings a lot of joy to my heart. I would leave my job immediately. 
if I could. If you could, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, if you could. Uh, I imagine it takes time to build up uh, build up a name for yourself and stuff. But the fact that this is even an option, so I I, I have to ask um, the 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 GM set the table charge. Um, is there a like a monthly membership or something to be part of the site, or do you guys just take a percentage from the the table table earnings? How does how does your <laughs> business uh, model work and make sure that everything keeps running? Because if I'm a, a GM on that site and then one day it just stops working, am I gonna like? How do I? Yeah, you know what I mean. I don't know how if I'm wording that very well, but like, how do you how do you guys survive as a business through this process? Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, we have we have you know a, a sizable amount in the bank that's going to allow us to operate for quite some time. <laughs> sizable, uh, because we we we, 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 we did a seed round of investor. We have about you know fifteen investors that are huh. you know they they wow. really believed in us, and so because we're a lean company, we we've kind of planned things out. So we have about nice. you know uh, a little more than a year if, without having the need to make any money. Wow. Um, but the thing is, we are making money, and we've continued to make more and more and more. That's kind of beginning to offset it. So hopefully, it will be profitable within, uh, you know, um, halfway through next year. Oh, that's um, exciting! Nice. No, we don't have a subscription fee. Um, no. We actually might have like this like premium thing where we're making these like um, we're making an AI uh, tool for D and D that GMs can get. But that's you know kind of ancillary. We're, we our teams made it, but it's like you know start playing adjacent. Right, right. Um, but right now, it's just that ten percent. Okay, that's not, and that's not bad at all. No, that's really great. Yeah. Okay, and when the GM makes the price, like let's say it's fifteen dollars a game, is that fifteen dollars a game or per seat? Uh, that's per seat. Oh my god. Okay, per seat. So the the yeah. the investment's real. That's wow. That's yeah. good. And some and what's great about that though is, and this is just my opinion, if you're really good at what you do. And people figure that out, they're going to pay that price, especially if you're the GM that runs exactly the type of games that they want, lets them, you know, experience the game the way they want to. That comes yeah. that comes at a, at a cost sometimes. I can pay five dollars for this person, but when I play in that, that's that's crunchy. That's not really my jams. <laughs> so I'm willing to shell out a little more for the experience that I want because and some people know what they want more than others. And that's OK, yep. too. So, yeah. Um. All right, uh, I think that'll do it for our main topic. Holy crap, uh, this has been awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of wishing I had the time myself now uh, to, to, to give this a go personally. I know Brandon's interested for sure. Oh, I am. Um, so we'll, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll jump in his game and uh, let him run a game for me for a change, eh? You ran one game for me in the last, like, three years. Yeah, and then I hit... A uh, third shift job or something? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, I think that'll do it for our main topic today. Uh, <laughs> let us uh, hit this magical button and move on to our unearthed tips and tricks. Tanaris, a 5th edition dystopian high fantasy. Sourcebook written by legends such as Ed Greenwood, Bruce Nesmith, and so much more. The Tanaris sourcebooks include hundreds of pages of new monsters, Four new player classes, unforgettable characters, dungeons and experiences, and a deeply political, culturally diverse, fragmented world where players can find connections with other planes, with rich underground realms, and even other timelines. Inside the Tanneris source books, you'll find interesting NPCs, monster features, unique situations, and countless extraordinary adventure hooks. 
GMs will feel like they've been playing more than ever. With over $1.5 million in pledges already, do you want to be the one that misses out on this amazing adventure? I know I won't. Back Tanneris RPG 5e on Kickstarter today. Hurry, the Kickstarter ends soon. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment, where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. If you don't know, our Unearth Tips and Tricks are one of our show uh, fans' favorite segments because we bring you new and reusable material. Let's get into it. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our character concept yes, today? Yes, our character concept comes from Justin Handlin. Nisa... Mo- <laughs> <laughs> This character concept. Uh, her name is uh, Nisa Tempers. She is a physically imposing, dark-skinned gnome. She is a well-dressed, constantly wearing a red suit, black shirt, and goggles. Her hair is long and black with streaks of red. Are you lovers done talking? Okay. No, I... No. For those who don't know, normally he has slides. There's slides that I put up, and I don't have them, and I was just trying to figure out why. You didn't get to it. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. I overslept. That's okay. It's fine. I'm just making sure I didn't Okay, so, yeah, dark... Uh, uh, physical opposing, dark skin gnome. Uh, she is well-dressed, constantly wearing a red suit, black shirt, and goggles. Her hair is long and black with streaks of red, and is pulled back with small clips. Her eyes are light blue, almost silver, a claw-like birthmark upon her brow. Mm. Yeah. Her personality. <laughs> uh, she has a massive crush on adventurers and polished, gleaming armor. Which, in my opinion, just means they're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> If you have polished armor, you're not using it. <laughs> <laughs> she is, however, stingy and a bit of a copper pincher. Thus, she will always demand payment and proof of collateral's value and will produce a merchant's scale to make sure she is not cheated of a single copper when doing business. Oh, oh. This is my money. Schmeagle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her history. Uh, she was born uh, a particularly ugly child. <laughs> Much to the horror of the parents, her mother was supposedly a charlatan, a fortune teller. But she insists her mother was legitimate. She has since bloomed into a respectable visage and now mingles about in high society. Ooh, nice. And her motivation is that she seems to be bored by most things. (laughs) She's been in high society too long. And she is compelled to act according to her religious beliefs, regardless of what others think oh man so what do you think about this character concept uh devin how can you see this uh, uh unfolding as maybe an npc or a pc i don't know i mean listen i was an ugly child too so <laughs> well your hair and I, your like, beard I, like, look like I'm, now, I'm now in like high society um like high D society so you know um i just i really I, I i connect with this character you know um, when I see someone in like plate mail, I'm like, what is up? Oh my gosh. What are you doing? You know? So, um, yeah, so I'm a fan. I'm going to, I'm giving this a thumbs up. I got nothing else except total respect for this, for, for Nissa. Yes. I'm, I like the, the, the touch on the, the fortune teller, uh, history with her mom, because everyone knows that sketchy ass player who, who <laughs> pretends to do stuff. Um, I think one of our character concepts was the 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 con con artist genie who is uh, like a genasi and pretends to make wishes and he's just using prestidigitation. I totally like. What a dick! I totally envisioned somebody just like poking fun at her the whole time. You know those aren't real, right? Those aren't real. Yeah, yeah, they are. Their magic exists. And it's like, have you ever met one? <laughs> yeah, my mother. I was like, can you prove it? I don't know. I like this character concept. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, I think this would make for a perfect uh, NPC in a uh, in any fantasy setting. Um, I don't know why I included she was a particularly ugly child. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> anyways uh i think that'll do it for our character concept nisa timbers our monster variant today is uh something that your players often come across but don't often think about yes the prosperous innkeeper yeah how do we build this bad boy well we start with the stat block for the priest and we of course toss out a few features like we always do you get rid of the divine eminent spell list you swap the intelligence and wisdom stats Change up to a short sword, and you get a new spell list. Ooh. For cantrips, you get friends, light, and precipitation, <laughs> which uh, might help their meals taste better at their end. <laughs> oh, dude. I once had a player who basically had a, 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 a companion and scooped his dung to fill pies and then used prestidigitation to make it taste like chocolate. What the fuck? <laughs> That's disgusting. Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> He's like, well, I want to... Yes. I don't know. Players are weird. Yes. <laughs> it's the chocolate pie. <laughs> Would you like a... <laughs> Would you like a poo-poo pot pie? <laughs> it would be great if it wasn't for the players. Yeah. <laughs> Get... And they also get, give you little spells, too. Like, they, uh, first of all, get Absorb Elements, which I guess some Incubus might find useful. Mm-hmm. Charm Person and Sleep. Gotta put down those uh, bar fights somehow, I suppose. Nice. Second level, Calm Emotions, same thing. And Suggestion, you might want to put down that sword before somebody gets hurt. And There's I mean definitely you. a theme, right? <laughs> yes. I see the theme, and he's a swindler. <laughs> <laughs> and for third level, we get Counterspell and Enemies Abound. Ooh, those are great. What's enemies abound? It basically makes somebody think that everyone around them is the enemy. <laughs> they like attack <laughs> randomly. paranoid. Yeah, yep. it's great. And they also get the arcane blade, where as a bonus action, the innkeeper can expend a spell slot to cause his melee weapon attack to deal an extra 3d6 force damage to the target on the hit. So it'll peddle an action going on there. And this benefit lasts till the end of the turn. And if the innkeeper expends a spell slot of second level or higher, it increases by 1d6 for each level above first. Ooh. Devin, what do you think about this? Here's the thing. I mean, this is good because you always need, like... I don't think people ever, like, think that they need to have the innkeeper ready with, like, uh, you know, essentially um, a backup plan for mm-hmm. when, like, adventurers get too rowdy. But this is, this is, that, this is that thinking ahead. You know, you're, you got an innkeeper. They're prosperous. They've been at this a while. They know how to calm down a room. They know how to deal with a drunken dwarf. You know, like, this is good. This is good. In my mind, when I was when I was writing this, it was more that he is manipulating everyone to get That's what he exactly wants. That's exactly what like, I see. Like, yeah. he uses friends. He says, like, here. How much? How much? It yeah, says it's a uh, perspective. <laughs> yep. It says it's five copper. Uh, no, waves his hand Jedi style. It's actually ten copper. Oh, it's so always been that way. Oh, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's, it says ten copper. The uh, part of the G must have flaked off. It's actually ten gold pieces. <laughs> <laughs> It's just using friends' suggestion because at the end of friends they realize that uh, they've, been they were, they've been swindled. Right? Yeah, but who's gonna? Sus- they don't know who it is though. Who? How are they gonna suspect the innkeeper? I. Uh, you're it, in a it, tavern full of people. It says on the spell list they know who did it. Oh, does it? Well, that's less cool. Yes. Yeah. But and, enemies and, and abound. It's like a minute or something. It's like really fast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you throw enemies abound on there, and they're like, "Okay, I'm not gonna tang- tangle with the innkeeper because he's got allies everywhere. I'm just gonna leave." <laughs> well, the other thing. <laughs> 
combining friends, and if somebody gets all pissed off that they were charmed, then using uh, uh, enemies abound. <laughs> yeah, right there. The creature realizes that you used magic to influence oh, yeah. its mood. Yep. That's less cool. But still it's, useful. It's still cool. But then you're you're topped off with calm emotions, suggestion, charm, person. You start some shit, sleep. And if some you've got that <laughs> little excited uh, mage who likes to cast fireballs, counterspell. Oh my god. Yeah. This this honestly feels like this is the the tavern owners who's like I know adventures I know what they do this is like how to prepare for them yes this I, is great and I like <laughs> NPCs like NPCs like this because I've lost count how many times I hear some players say wow what's stopping us from taking this uh, chapel and taking his magic weapons. Apparently his spell list. <laughs> Could you imagine a player's reaction if they charged at him and then he cast Charm Person and said go to bed. <laughs> Like he, he's like gonna draw his plays, he's pissed off and dead stop. Uh, yawns a little bit, just walks up the stairs. Player be like, that sucked. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything else on uh, the prosperous innkeeper? Which honestly, the name is a hundred percent inspired by the uh, Forgotten Realms Magic: The Gathering card set. Um, called the Prosperous Innkeeper. Um, obviously I wrote all the, the, That's I've heard the mechanics before. and stuff, but, uh, I was like, man, what could, what would this be in D and D somebody that manipulates everybody <laughs> con artist bastard. <laughs> all right. That'll do it for our, uh, monster variants. Uh, our, and if you like our monster variants, uh, I release them on our Patreon at patreon.com slash credit Academy. I give them full backstory. I give them knowledge checks that the characters can, the DM can feed to the characters as well as beautiful art and stat blocks. So if you want to check these out, you can go check all the hundred plus extras we already have too. So, all right. Our encounter of the show today is undeserved prison. The characters have delved deep into a dungeon. While wandering the halls, they stumble across a complex set of arcane glyphs on the side of the hallway. A character that succeeds a DC 19 Intelligence Arcana check identifies the glyphs as a warning of demonic summoning in progress. This glyph is across from a hidden room designed for summoning from the extraplanar beings to be bound and enslaved, but the room is hidden behind an illusionary wall. The character that succeeds a DC 19 investigation check, uh, they can see through the illusion, or if they happen to stumble in it and touch it, whatever, obviously that, you know, it's illusion. Inside is a massive chamber with glyphs and glowing rooms and sits a large crackling red barrier and inside is a snarling and screaming serpentine demonic creature with six arms an angry merolith is trapped inside of this this prison no sound can be heard from the chaotic scene in front of the characters the room contains a permanent enchantment for the silent spell the character can break uh, the permanent inverted magical circle uh, to free the creature or attempt to help it return to its home plane. The creature just wants to be freed as it has been bound uh, in its prison for a very long time. Remember, this was an unexplored dove dungeon. So who knows how long it's probably pissed off and wants to go home. Yep. Devin, what do you think? So <laughs> when you say Marilyn, I'm angry Marilyn. Is, is there any other type? No, because I've only I've only. Here's <laughs> uh, thing: I always like it when uh, uh, I, I I like the idea when dungeons aren't um, like, hey, I put a bunch of monsters in here and they're going to keep you from getting there. Rather, the idea like, oh, this is actually a place where like something is trapped inside, and as you're getting there, you're going to have to deal with it because like someone else locked it away. Right. Um, 
I, I, I really like that because I, I always think also like certain monsters would hang around dungeons that have gold because food just keeps showing up here and they're like, this is a cool place. <laughs> I don't know why food keeps coming here, but like this shiny room, it always shows up here. So I'm going to hang. You know, it just seems kind of like the animal instinct. So I, I like I like the the thought process behind this creature being here. <laughs> this is one of the, my favorite, most recent encounters that I've built because it's one that can get bypassed if they don't give a damn about the runes. Um, yeah. because if you're in a hallway and it's a warning that there's a summoning in pro you're in a hallway, like there's gotta be more to that. And some players will take note of that and take interest. Others may just keep on going. And that's, those are some of my favorite encounters where they only get revealed if the characters take a certain action. Um, and obviously as a DM, it's up to us to be able to call for the right checks and, and tell if the characters and, or the players are interested. So um, yeah. Yes. Definitely. Definitely a fun one. Um, I love the idea of the Marilith actually having certain weapons that that you could entice a particular type of player uh, to to want. <laughs> like you notice a flaming blade in her hand as she's like flailing about. Huh. I don't have a flaming Me blade. <laughs> I know. Play anytime you see there's like a cool weapon. They're like, we're gonna get yeah. that weapon, That's or we're gonna die. Those are options. You know, that reminds me of when I re re read the uh, what kind of the weekly roll where the party fought their way to like the final boss in the dungeon, which is a giant of some kind. Mm -hmm. Adventurers, I know how to deal with your type. If I can't be each magic, I'm we just leave. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, guys, tell me, don't tell me what you're thinking about this, but free magic, I am. <laughs> Like, you know I'm, I'm a, what we trouble we have to go through to get one of these usually? You're just going to give it to you us. You can defeat me if you want. Or magic sword. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's coming out of a black unmarked cart. Hey, you. Want a magic sword? <laughs> get in the cart. <laughs> Khajiit has wares. Khajiit has skooma. <laughs> All right, that'll, <laughs> that'll do it for the encounter. Undeserved prison. Brandon, would you like to tell us about our magic item? Yes, our magic oh, can item. You, can you? Are you? Are you going to do it? What? You're going to give me some Diablo, right? Oh, you want Deckard? Oh, I want Deckard. Give I me some Deckard. Some I Deckard. miss Deckard. Uh. <laughs> you got to get right up in there. Is this close enough? No, that's too close. Get back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so this magic item comes straight from uh, Doctor Who and Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yes. Today's magic items called the Arcane Tent is by Hydral. Did I say that right? How the hell would I know? It's not my name. He's your fan. <laughs> it is a wondrous item and it is rare. This wondrous item takes the form of a normal sized two person tent. Setting up the tent takes ten minutes of effort. What appears to be an ordinary tent, yurt, or otherwise culturally appropriate. <laughs> transient dwelling <laughs> uh, from the outside is revealed to be significantly larger on the inside Ooh. upon stepping through the entrance flap the individual finds themselves in a larger than expected space containing 240 square feet of floor room and a 15 foot high ceiling with a small kitchen separated outhouse and <laughs> it's got a outhouse Outhouse. Inside, though. <laughs> right. It's an so then it's an in-house. separated out, out in-house. So uh, for yeah. those that don't know, uh, uh, Jeff Stevens had an adventure where the toilets uh, and the, the lavatories inside the mage's uh, castle were bag of holding. 
That's disgusting. <laughs> they turned it inside out and went everywhere. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it just reminded me of that. No. I thought it was hilarious. Where's the pies? And now this? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with people. But it was pretty clever. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) In the central hearth and sitting area, there are enough beds and accommodations for four to six people to sleep comfortably, even if more may fit physically. Yeah. Rain will not enter through the roof, but the tent is not waterproof and will flood if submerged. Air also enters the tent from outside, leaving those within vulnerable to suffocation. Or otherwise, if something should happen to to that air. Hmm. If the tent is punctured or damaged to a significant degree, with an AC of 11 and HP of 15, resistant to all damage except for fire and acid, oh. no, no shit, <laughs> the magic will cease to function until repaired with a mending spell. All creatures and objects inside will be dumped into the space of the two-person tent, possibly breaking it further. Oh, no. And until repaired, it will function like the tent it appears to be. Additionally, the tent has a number of furnishings and furniture which are bound to it. These will remain inside at all times. Holy Sorry, rogues. <laughs> and cannot be removed. If destroyed, the furniture will reappear the next time the tent is set up. Any objects left inside will be dumped out after the tent is dismantled. How many times do you think a rogue tried to pilfer or a barbarian tried to grab an uh, a, a improvised foreign object to beat yeah. somebody with from the tent? He's like, I gotta add a roll. <laughs> what do you think, Devin? Um, so I, I, when I read this, I thought to myself, it actually isn't big on the inside. Really? It makes you smaller. So oh. when you go in, <laughs> you have shrunk. So you're a little, you, you shrink down like three X, four X, whatever. And that's why it's so big. And, and nobody knows this. That's, that's what I was so thinking great. about this magic. Nobody knows that it actually shrinks you. They just think until that, someone uh, looks in know. the flap. It's not. It's yeah. not two hundred forty <laughs> square feet. It's two hundred forty square inches. Yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. I like this. Nobody tells you this, but that's how the TARDIS works. Just makes you. Just makes you smaller. You just broke that might mind. not be true. I just, I you just made that up. Yeah, that that that's okay. You're a dungeon master. It's fine. <laughs> we can get away with lying to people when we tell them as stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, imagine, imagine some spell work goes wrong, or you get attacked, and you're all shot out. But you're shot out at the size you went in. So you're, in, you're, 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 you're a little tiny, you're a little tiny babies now. So and then you have, you know, honey, I shrunk, <laughs> honey, I shrunk the adventures. <laughs> Half damage. Kind of scenario. <laughs> I think we wrote that adventure once. <laughs> What's cool about this is I wonder what happens if you cast Dispel Magic on it and there's people inside. I was just inside. thinking that. Well, it says it spits, it up, spits everyone out. Right, but like... Well, but you can't Dispel Magic on a on an item, right? Because Dispel Magic ends a spell's effects, and there's no spell there's currently no spell casted effect. on this. Okay, I gotcha. Well, that's less cool yeah. then. So, is it, so how heavy... Does it get heavier? Like... Is it, it's not attached to the ground, is it? Like, can somebody just... They run into hide and he just picks it up, throws it off a cliff? And then do they feel you that on the inside? Because it doesn't say anything that it's like an extra-dimensional space, does it? Yeah, because you, you're just shrunk. Because they never yeah. said they just traditional space. That's why it's, no, you just shrunk. That's why I, yeah, I, I, agree, I agree with Devin. You're shrinking. Yeah. And that's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> your, 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 uh, your adventuring mother comes and peeks through the hole and you just see this massive face. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you, want some snacks? <laughs> Do you got any? <laughs> Do you want some chocolate cookies? Do you have anything to, uh, on this, Anne? Like we've definitely seen some spells that do this, but having this portable and you'll have to cast is definitely nice. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a, a good low-level opportunity or uh, 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 
supplement to, until they get the the mansion, the magnificent mansion, or whatever. Or if they don't have a uh, caster that can do that, this could be a, a good way to do it. The only thing I think I would like to see different uh, to something like this to really show its magical effect, taking a long rest would reduce an extra level of exhaustion, I think would be a, a really good additional effect to this to really make it feel like it's a rare item. Because honestly, to me, it doesn't seem like it, it doesn't feel like a rare item. Um, that it, I don't feel like it gives enough to be classified as a rare. I would put this under uncommon or something the way it is now, personally. But what's the um, rarity of a bag of holding? Uh, uncommon, uncommon, I think. Uncommon. You gotta remember, it's it's shrinking four to five people. That's pretty. That's that's a lot of magic right there. Yeah. Okay, I'll Neither. give that to you. <laughs> All right, then, that'll do it for our magic item, the arcane tent. Devin, would you like to tell us about our Dungeon Master tip today? Yes! Okay, the DM tip today is let your villains flee. Let your villains escape, all right? Um, especially if the tides, it, it looks like it's not going to be their, their favor. Use that ability to get them out of there and have them come back because one of the most exciting things for players is when they, they kicked someone out and they're like, oh, yeah, get out of here, you know, and that person comes back even more deadly because they knew what they were up against. Now they like they fought against the characters. They know kind of their tactics, and they've maybe got a new magic item to help them with it. Or maybe they hired some extra people that kind of offset the party's dynamic. Um, when you have characters that your players bested escape and come back again, your players now have this narrative with this villain, and it becomes increasingly more interesting. Um, you know, my, my players know that when I had a, a monster that they were fighting... They clocked him against the head with a divine smite, knocked out his silver teeth, and uh, <laughs> now he has a scar. And they know him, and they know when they see, saw him, they saw the scar, and they're like, you want me to give you another one? And that one line got that they gave him chills. They loved it. And, and that's what's really fun for your players. Give them these opportunities to have these reoccurring villains that they kind of grow with, and that, that villain grows with them as well. I... When I read this tip, the first thing I thought about was how years ago, I played Gamma with some friends of mine. Gamma world, and we basically like like I fought some gang, and the boss had like a uh, giant a rat as a pet, which has some. It's ever has has some distinct markings, and it being a rat, it just screwed away during the combat. But then mm -hmm. a, a couple sessions later, we saw a bigger rat, dire rat show up. Mm -hmm. It had the same markings, <laughs> <laughs> and then we managed to take care of it. And then we later on encountered a were rat. Same markings. <laughs> we found a way to very unceremoniously one-shot it. Oh, and then, so such right. later, it appeared as a cybernetic were-rat. Jesus, it never... Because <laughs> <laughs> it was, like, hunting us down because we killed its master. Oh, my gosh. I, uh... And even then, we found a way to anti me take care of it because one of the players in the kitchen walked by it and went, yeah, whatever, and teleported it two miles straight up into the air. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so... At one point, the rat comes to you and is like, listen... I have achieved consciousness. I no longer <laughs> seek to hurt you. I am now at your side to go into bed. Like at some point, <laughs> then you could flip it on your side, and that and that's even more that rewarding. That is cool. I like that. Um, I really like this idea. I think you really nailed it. Um, and this doesn't have to be something that is super complex. You know, uh, I've done this where they ran into a a guard. And they treated the guard really poopy, and they got him fired, so he got all pissed off. Well, he knew he wasn't strong enough to take on the adventure, so uh, he went and practiced a little bit and came back as a quote-unquote thug, right? Same guy, big thug. They end up fighting him, and he kicked. Uh, he got his ass kicked and then was angry, and he did the whole comic book. 
you'll see me again, Spider-Man, or whatever. And so he comes back next time as a veteran. Now it's the same guy. He still keeps getting his ass kicked. He's still pissed off, but he's progressively getting stronger until there's a situation where they needed help, and he happens to show up. So they hire him instead of firing him, or instead of kicking his ass, like, look, this is a hard challenge. We could really use some help. Would you be interested in helping us out? I, I, we will pay you. And so now he's pissed off. They're offering to hire him, and he's stuck because he's pretty broke at this point because everything's gone into getting better. And it ended up being a very interesting character development because they gave him all the loot. So then he just went and opened up a, a tavern. And now he's <laughs> this guy that they go in and talk to who hates their guts, but they pay really good. <laughs> So um, I think that there, it's more than in what Devin was saying about it coming back and being, you know, an ally. Just because they keep coming back, eventually they don't have to be a villain. Uh, maybe they come to an understanding. Yeah, yeah. So Actually, in uh, my last game with the uh, players I was doing from work uh, a year ago, there was two primary bad guys. Just the, there was the big bad guy who was trying to destroy the world, and he has a second in command. He told the second in command, go to those adventurers and can kill them because they're going to be a problem later. Well, the second in command says, hey, we've been at this for so long that I am bored as hell, so I want you guys to fight me. They fought him the first time, said, oh, yeah, good, you got me. I'm going to let you live so you can get stronger, then he disappears. And then they, he came back again, they fought him again, he, he lost, like, oh, I'll get you next time, and he disappears. <laughs> and it, it's supposed to build this thing to where when they do get to the final big bad guy, he's going to look at his second and be like, the fuck did I tell you to do? <laughs> All right, I think that'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, evolving monsters or villains or enemies or whatever you want to go with. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't be a dick! And you can avoid dickitude by listening to John Higgs from Gamerant. I totally didn't come up with this. Uh, this you can <laughs> click on the link to the full article in the blog. Uh, we're going to talk the Eldridge Chanter. This class... this class can be played either as a frontline character or a backline blaster, which I love options. I don't know about anybody else. Um, when my barbarian wants to be a background blaster, he just throws rocks. So this is definitely more <laughs> effective. Um, the combo we're talking about here is specifically Bard and Warlock, with Bard as the primary class and the Warlock as a two-level dip. Well, it's going to be honest, a two-level dip in Warlock get you some cool stuff. So the strength of the Eldritch Chanter comes from the fact that the Warlock is extremely front-loaded class. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Offering large amounts of damage and utility with just two-level investment. Uh, way to go, Watsy. <laughs> the core of the dis damage comes from the combination of Eldritch Blast, which is widely recognized as the best damaging cantrip in the game. Do you guys disagree? No. No. And the evocation spell... Uh, the, evo the invocation, Agonizing Blast, that basically you get at level 2 that lets you add your Charisma modifier to the damage because Eldritch Blast adds an extra attack at level 5 regardless of what, you guys. Pain. Oh, jeez, no. <laughs> your, your, spell, your spells, your cantrips level up with your class, not your, or with your overall character level, not your specific class, right? Yep. So, yes. because uh, it adds an extra attack at level 5, for instance, rather than simply an extra die that most cantrips get, you're going to top it off with the Agonizing Blast that doubles 
uh, even with the multi-class character, which is phenomenal. So this combination uh, with spell slots that recover on short rest and with many unique powers that can be gained uh, from uh, another Eldritch Invocation, which is of your choice, makes the El- uh, Eldritch Chanter a really fun, thematic, and powerful caster class. Now, there's more. But wait, there's more. For those who preferred to wade into melee, then uh, rather than hurl spells from the rear line, the Hexblade Warlock subclass can completely change how the Eldritch Chanter plays. For example, while it also grants proficiency in medium armor, shields, and martial weapons, ding, 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 there's your melee stuff, the main draw of the Hexblade is the ability to make weapon attacks using charisma instead of strength or dex, which I think is awesome. Yep. Um, that's great. So now you've basically doubled up your effectiveness, right, between your Eldritch Blast and your your um, uh, uh, Hexblade, right? This allows the Eldritch Chanter to fully lean into that charisma as the primary stat, ability score boosting their spell casting, as well as retaining an impressive punch and melee. Now, my favorite part of the Eldritch Chanter, personally, is since I'm primarying Bard, I get to reflavor those uh, those features. So for me, oh. Eldritch Blast is not Eldritch Blast. So let's say I'm playing a violin as my bard, and I string that violin and a shockwave emerges from it, right? Or maybe instead I'm a poet, but I do know it. And I tell a one-liner... I just made Brandon facepalm. You sham wild him. I sham wild him. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm playing uh, 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 with a, a, a poet, and I I tell a a, a rhyme, and uh, it sends out like a a thunderous boom of my voice, and that knocks them backwards or down or, or deals damage. So when you take the points into Eldritch or into the 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 warlock, you don't keep it as flavor as a warlock. You completely change it to focus on the aspect of a bard. And so if you want to tie that into your inspiration or whatever other theme you're going with, one of the most versatile spells to be reflavored is what? This is where you say Uh, Eldritch Blast. F off. Eldritch Blast, Blast, because it's Force. (laughs) Force, because it's Force, you know. Uh, And I think it really fits this theme. Uh, Devin, do you have any uh, comments on this? Uh, Very Scott Pilgrim vibes. Like how music's being played, you know, Mm -hmm. like this kind of ripping out chords. Um, anytime you're reskinning something as something else, like right. flavor-wise, I love it. I support it. I'm, I'm back. I'm behind it. I love this. The, the, his thing, the fact that it's a little bit of Warlock, this is like a little bit of like, I got this fiddle. Mm-hmm. I met the devil. Oh. I played a game against him. I was so good. He's like, join my music school. So now I'm here. I like this. Like, I like this. Like, I'm, real, I'm going to become famous, and I have to. Um, so I like how this is packaged up. So um, I, I never think about the mechanics too much, but all the flavor side things that kind of came to me and what, mm-hmm. what spoke out, I would love to have this character uh, in my table. So uh, how did you come about that unique bard power you have? I fell into a burning ring of fire. <laughs> <laughs> I cast silence. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anybody else? All right, this is definitely uh, a very versatile class. We know that the the bard has got so much going for mm-hmm. it, and the warlock touch gives it so much more oomph. So uh, I think that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, Don't be, be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by playing an eldritch chanter. Um, I need to look more into warlocks. Yes, uh, I don't know much about them because none of my players have ever played if one. If you look, if you listen to our episodes, from, I played one that one game. <laughs> yeah, you sucked. Uh, if, if you if you listen back to our earlier episodes of this show, 
there was something that I reiterated all the time, and it was how much I hated the Warlock. I thought it was dull. I thought it was boring. I would like to officially make an ast- apology to the Warlock. Um, yeah, I have found <laughs> so many. I have found so many versatile uses for it, and the fact that I don't got to treat it as somebody bound to a demonic entity um, makes it even better. I'm looking at you, Naruto, because that's all Naruto is—is is a warlock. He's a melee warlock. His power comes from that little bastard inside of him. Yeah, see, believe it. Ah, oh, get the hell out of here. All right, with that. <laughs> Uh, that'll do it for our Unearthed Tips and Tricks segment. Before we close out, we like to start giveaway fat loots on our show to all of our wonderful um, fans who have signed up for our newsletter. So what are we giving away today, Brandon? Uh, we are giving away the Unearthed Adventures Volume 2, and it is a collection of six professionally written one-page adventures for 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons. Mm-hmm. They are designed to be modular. They can be tossed into any ongoing RPG campaign, or run as a single adventure. They're easily expanded upon to fit every DM's playstyle. Yes. Who is our winner today? So yeet. So yeet. Who's our winner today? Our winner is... Um, oh, jeez. I have no idea how to say that. Iyuri. Iyuralbans. That's good. Can we guess what's on there? Iyuriel. 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 Bendies. Iyuriel. I-U-R-I-A-L. Bandies. Bandies. <laughs> like, thank bandies. you, Devin. Uh, Aerial can... Bandies. We hope you enjoy the product. If you didn't win, not a problem. You know you can head on over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe to our newsletter to be entered. <laughs> Additionally, if you subscribe to our newsletter, you will get access to our best-selling uh, product, Challenge Accepted, which it takes old 4th edition skill challenges and introduces them in a new way for 5th edition games. Anybody that watches the show knows I love skill challenge. I think it's the best way to get the most out of non-combat but structured because I need a little of that sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, please, once again, visit us at creditacademy.com. Follow us on social media. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash c slash criticacademy and leave us a review on iTunes even if you don't use iTunes because that's the one all the things use. Um, before we close out, I want to say thank you, Devin, so much for joining us today. Um, it's been a, 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 an eldritch blast. <laughs> Fucking God. Oh. <laughs> uh, would you like to take a second to, to uh, plug your content one more time before we end? Well, listen, uh, thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, and everyone that was you know, listening, thank you so much uh, for, for checking us out. Um, you know, again, it's always a pleasure that you check out you know, all these wonderful podcasts and be part. And, and I'm so you know, honored that you guys invited us on. But if you want to find a place to find a, game, a group or a game master, head over to startplaying.games where you can find your next game today. Awesome. Awesome. Love it. Well, with that... I am your host, Justin. I'm your guest, Devin. I'm your co-host, Ian. And I'm your co-host, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.